Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only James Wilson. J-Dub, how many cups of coffee are you in? I actually haven't had any. I had a really early start to my day. I didn't feel like I needed any. Well, if you wake up that early, then yeah, I mean, you're you're fine. So, you know. Um, You know who needed a cup of coffee last night? Who? The Charlotte Hornets, because they got off to another slow start and it plagued them against the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, not the greatest start for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, especially against a team that they have literally no business losing to. Quite a very unimpressive outing for them. Absolutely. And here's the thing for me, and we, we know slow starts have plagued this team, and look, Chicago's not out of it, right? They've got something to play for. they still got a shot at the play in, but when you have everybody back in the lineup except for Devontae, you have no business losing to a team that's three, four spots behind you. Yeah, the, the Charlotte Hornets have had a really tough time just playing against teams that are around their level, especially when they're uh, slightly worse than them. They seem to do better against teams that they feel like they really have something to earn by beating them, teams like Milwaukee, teams like Miami. But then they go and play teams like Chicago or Indiana, who on paper are worse, and yet they find a way to lose games to them. By by double digits, too. I mean, the last time I played Indiana, they lost by 20-something points and lost by 20-something points the other night. So uh, you're right. I mean, the games that you feel like you you need no motivation to get up for, that should be the mindset against anybody. Everybody's an NBA team. I mean, you know, you hear that in any league. Oh, they're they're a you know, they're a major league team. They're an NHL team. They're they're they they have major league talent. You know, everybody mm-hmm. does. You go into games like that knowing if you're whether or not you're the better team, right? I mean, right. that's that's just human nature. I mean, and, but a lot of the times in the NBA, you as much as you do have a long season, it's not long uh, like baseball is. So you do take every matchup against every team uh, pretty seriously. I mean, think about it. Even though the season might feel long, you can only play one team as many as four times and as few as two times. So it's not a lot of room to say, hey, we're better than you. And on a pride level, I'd say the NBA is driven off of pride more than most other sports leagues combined, if you will. And um, 
they like having those season series against other teams, especially in their own conference when they play four games. They love sweeping other teams. They really do. It's good for the pride. It's good for the motivation. And when you sweep a team 4-0 in one season, coming into that game, the first game of the season, they know that. They remember that. And sure, that team might play pretty hard, but you feel pretty confident going into that. So for a lot of teams, just Going even with some of your uh, division rivals and some of your conference rivals, it's not good enough. And you really want to see if you can just win as many games in your own conference as possible just for a morale perspective. But also, come playoff time, you've beaten those teams. And even maybe coming into the second round, you might even be the you know the bottom of the, of the matchup. You might be the lower seed, but you still remember, hey, we beat you twice out of four times. Or, hey, we beat you three out of four times. Um, so you have nothing to be confident about. And that's the kind of mentality that a lot of teams have successfully transferred into playoff success. Teams like Toronto, right? Remember when Toronto was super good, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, and that, that team was very, very talented. Uh, um, Dwayne Casey was at the helm of that regime. And what you saw was teams that pretty much never lost every game to – their conference foes. They never uh, got swept in the conference uh, across the season series. And usually they'd be the first seed. But the problem was there'd be a Cavaliers team or a Miami Heat team uh, in the very early days of Toronto's dominance that were just better, that were simply better. And usually led by LeBron James, who has really never cared about regular season performance. So basically what I'm saying is for the Charlotte Hornets, you've got a team that needs to start caring a little bit more about your conference opponents. It's, 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 there's no debate about it. You need to start caring more about those games. And I'm not saying you forget about your Western conference teams. Cause we have tons of give me wins, if you will, coming out of the West. There's tons of teams that we're capable of destroying in the West. New Orleans is coming up on the schedule too. So, right. And they should beat them. And hopefully they do. It's the worst team in the history of sports. So, Beating them would be pretty good, but again, you got to start worrying about winning in your own conference before you start worried about playoffs. Especially now, you got what? You got five, five, six games left. You've got the Knicks on the schedule. That's an important one. They're they're ahead of you. They've already clinched the playoff spot, but right. Um, the chances of you getting out of the play-in now are, are pretty much null. So you you have to set that into the mindset first of all. On your comment about the Raptors, Dwayne Casey was given about as unfair shake as anybody has ever been given in the history of the NBA in that regard. Yeah, he's as, a pretty good coach. As, as how he was, he's a pretty good coach. He was kicked out of a job that he was doing a hell of a job at. Uh, granted, they won a title right after that, but Dwayne Casey wasn't incapable of leading them there, especially when they went out and got Kawhi Leonard, but that's beside the point. That's not what we're talking about. Um, defensively, what does this team have to do you know, you, you look at the upcoming schedule, it's it's not it's not easy. So we know this team can score and score at will, but this inconsistency on the defensive end has plagued this team multiple times and it, it, it came to fruition the other night uh, against Miami and then against Chicago. You know, Brett, I encourage a lot of people to not really care about what they're saying on the Charlotte Hornets Facebook group. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but every time I go on those Facebook groups, all I see is, why is this 18-year-old kid not an elite defender in the NBA? Why is this kid who played high school three months ago not an elite defender? Why is this guy not 
Kawhi those Leonard. Are the, why those it, aren't the guys you rely on to play defense. What, you don't. Well, here's the thing. You have a young team. Our average age, I believe, is uh, top uh, top ten in terms of youngest. I believe we were one of the top. We 10 only have teams. one guy who's balding. That's Cody Zeller. And what's funny is he's one of the youngest guys. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, seriously, yeah, but I mean, tw- he's 28. And he's already balding. I don't even know how many guys we have over 30. Um, but seriously, w- uh, what you have is a very young team. And we Wanna have seen make- this. Wanamaker might be the only guy over 30. And uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, what you see is many players come into the NBA. They can score very well. Very, very anywhere. Excuse me. And it's very easy for them to get buckets. Um, Reggie Miller was a great example of that. He came in, dude was pretty good right off the bat. He was a great example. Michael Jordan, he was an all-star as a rookie. Tons of these guys have come in and become Mello, players. Mello, Kobe, I mean, guys who just come in and right. become yeah. elite and, scores. Lamelo wasn't viewed as he was going to be an elite scorer, but he very quickly proved that. No, I, 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 yeah, you're right. I remember that. I don't remember giving him a lot of credit. That was um, the knock on him was that he was really only a passer, but he very much, very quickly proved that he could score the basketball and scored at will. Yeah, he never really got a fair chance to 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 score very much in the Australian Basketball League. But what you're going to see is these guys are going to get better, and it's kind of a knee jerk reaction. It's kind of a casuals reaction if you if you look at a very young team and say, why aren't we so great defensively? It's still a work in progress. It's it's not something that's going to develop overnight. You have to develop a brand identity, and, well, the offseason isn't here yet, so you can't start working on that. You still have to work on winning some play-in tournament games and well, here's going the as other far thing. as you can. Here's the other thing. Without a veteran presence like Gordon Hayward on the floor, that complicates things defensively because that, that, that's, in, in a sense, the quarterback of your defense. Is is the one veteran that's on the floor? I mean, yeah, but like I said, it's a young team. I don't know what you expect. You can only have Gordon Hayward out for so long, especially considering he has a history of leg injuries. He's also older, so you can't keep him out on the floor all the time. And as much as you obviously want to look for improvement, you you can't expect them to become elite defenders tomorrow. This is kind of a no, knee-jerk it, it's reaction. No, it's not an overnight thing. And I, I, I'm not necessarily knee-jerk reacting like like you said the people on the Facebook. I don't know. It kind of sounds like you are. Those, it sounds like you got the boomer. Idiots. Here's what I'm saying. There are certain points, especially in an NBA game, where the mentality has to set in that you have to get stops. Okay? You don't have to get a stop every time down the court there are certain points in the game where you have to bear down and it's not that the mentality isn't there it's that the execution isn't there i mean yeah i'd say a lot of the closeouts on guys who are shooting has been pretty lackluster but that's kind of becoming a common theme in the nba if you want to be good at defending start with that close out more uh put your hand in guys faces a little bit more that's kind of an epidemic it's like the hand down man down thing is almost an epidemic at this point but league-wide Right, and if you want to become a good defensive team, stop doing that. So if 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 you're a young team, though, you really can't expect to – I don't expect this team to be good at defense. I never will. Um, this team is too young. Once the average age increases and they get a little bit older, then I'll start to say, hey, where is the performance? Where is the defensive rating? I don't expect them to be all world defenders at this point in their current and in, in, in the Hornets in this era of the Charlotte Hornets. So it's 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 a little bit too soon 
for us to start worrying about that. We didn't expect to be world beaters this year, but when we were fully healthy, we were. I do not care enough about defending when our best player is a rookie and our next couple best players are not that much farther ahead of him. Well, we've got some time here. Let's take a look at the uh, upcoming schedule here as we uh, as almost seem weird that we're almost to the end of this, you know, prolonged, not prolonged, but shortened, but it feels prolonged regular season. Almost feels like it's gone by way too fast. Um, New Orleans Sunday, Denver and the Clippers Tuesday and Thursday, and then next Saturday and next Sunday, back-to-backs on the road at New York and Washington. What 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 does this team have to do? What does the record have to be over these last five, I guess is the first question. I, I would say... You at least need to win four of the or three of the five. No, you need to go five and zero. Oh. Uh, this is a Hornets team that has not been playing very well, even though the roster is there. They have been healthy. We have had most of our talent on the team on the court, uh, and they still haven't been performing very well. I do understand that it will take time, but you have to be able to get used to having guys come in and out of the lineup. When this is a small market team, an experimental team, you're going to have to find a win way. You're going to it's harder to win games. So five and zero is is what I expect, and five and zero is what they should try and get. They shouldn't try and get any less. They shouldn't Kids, shoot for Den- anything Denver less. Denver and the Clippers. This is going to be tough games, though. I mean, they're at home. They are going to be That's extremely part, tough. But, um, but if you how, how much do you care about uh, keeping a good brand, keeping your reputation at an all-time high. It's what you talked about. It's, it's that a, have already clinched. Exactly. It's it's what you talked about. It's the Western Conference, you know, thing. The Knicks haven't officially clinched, but they've they've pretty much they're pretty much there. Everybody above the seventh spot is pretty much locked in. The only thing that could change is Boston and Miami could could swap spots here over the last week because they're tied. Uh, but Boston has the tiebreaker. Um, and then, you know, the Hornets are three games back of both of them. So you're going to need a lot of help and that help probably isn't going to come. So you have to almost assume that you'll be locked into that eight spot for the play in. Um, the only way you could improve is, is to win and then hope you get help. Yeah, but you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't look for help. You shouldn't look to say, not, Hey, look, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not people. saying you look for help. You have to take care of what you could take it, control the controllables, Win, win the games you know you have to win, and then let let the other chips fall where they may. You have to win all games. You, you, you that no team says let's go. Oh, I want to go sixty six and sixteen this year. Nobody does that. Everybody wants to win eighty two games. And if you shoot for anything less, you should retire. If you are on a team and you your ultimate goal is to not win a title, you should not be playing team sports. Go play tennis. Go play a sport that you can control your own destiny and you can live your own life and you don't get to hurt other people. If you want to play a team sport, whether it be MLB, NHL, NFL, college football, whatever, if you play with other people on the field at the same time as you, you don't deserve to shoot for anything less than perfection. I don't expect anyone to ever reach perfection. Greatest team in the NBA history statistically in a regular season is 79 or excuse me, 73 and 9. They only messed up nine times in the regular season. They didn't win the title. That's what makes team sports great. You don't give up. You don't say, oh, look, well, you know, they, they've already done it. Might as well just let them have it. 
the 2016 NBA Finals is not the greatest NBA Finals in history because the best team in history finished the job. It's because they didn't finish the job. So if you play in the NBA, you don't deserve to not try to finish the job. You should try and win out this season. They should try and win all the five games that they have left, get themselves out of the playoffs, like you, or excuse me, out of the playing tournament into the playoffs. And it's like you said, control the controllables. Well, you got five games, win them all. You can't control what the other team's going to do because even if they win five games, they still have a chance of being in the play-in tournament. If you win all five games, you get stuck in the play-in tournament, oh, well, you did what you could. But if they don't win all five games, you kind of gave, you kind of give yourself your own fate, if, especially if they go three and two, two and three, one and four over these next five. Yeah, at that point, you've dug your own grave, really. I have zero sympathy for that. This is a franchise I know the expect. I, I set the highest expectations for, and I expect them to win all five games. They don't deserve to do anything else. Otherwise, they're not a playoff team. The, the roster is there. You guys are healthy. Let's see some improvement. Otherwise, we'll regroup and we'll go for it again next year. Look. I don't believe in participation trophies. That's why the play-in tournament needs to be disbanded. This should be a one-year experiment that doesn't go away. Sorry. You make perfect, perfect points. I, I, I can't argue with any the of it. The 10th seed should not have a shot at the title. No, that, that's why this play-in tournament's a terrible idea, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But you have to play with the cards you've been dealt, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't suck. Doesn't mean that whoever came up with the idea should have, should be fired. Well, think about it. If, you're the, if you're the 10th seed, that's the bottom 33% of the conference. You shouldn't have a chance, period. End of discussion. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, and most people say the NBA is already a gimme is already a gimme uh playoff. I mean, that's that's been proven. It's pretty easy to make the playoffs in the NBA. You know, the NFL, you if you play in a tough division, you're screwed. You have to really do well. You have to earn that division title, or you you, you that's out of your control. In the NBA, Every team in the division can make the playoffs because there's no incentive for that. So giving the 10th seed, it does nothing for them. No. It's a cash it, grab. Yeah, exactly. And look, you're, you're playing that 10th seed team the last game of the regular season. So I, I don't even know how the matchups are going to shake out, but, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will get into uh, the rest of the NBA and talk about LeBron's uh, controversial comments next. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only James Wilson. J-Dub, the Carolina Hurricanes are, as we take a quick look here, they got a four-point lead on the Vegas Golden Knights for the top spot in the league, which of course means the President's Trophy, which I think in a normal year would mean it comes with the curse of it. Ask the Tampa Bay Lightning about it. Right. Um, but I, I think in a year like this, there is more of an advantage than there would be in another year. I'd argue that because 
regular season wins are in a weird way. We've been talking about these divisions. We've been talking about, um, well, obviously we've been crapping on the North, but it's, 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 it's at a level where it's so easy to look at certain franchises and say, this season is a true sign of who they are. And it's easy to look at other teams and say, this season is not a good example of who they are. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Am I, am I, do I sound crazy? No, like no, no, no you sound, that, that, that's spot on, I would say. Because to me, there are teams that are underachieving and will not do this going into next season. I think uh, Columbus is like the perfect example. No reason they should be as bad as they are, and yet here we are. Um, you acquire a great player. I know that there's been some issues there with um, Patrick Line, excuse me. So this is a guy who will get them to the playoffs and will get them to some relevancy, but it's going to take a little bit of time. But Carolina, they would have done this in the regular season. They would have done this in an 82-game season. I think it, they would have done this regardless. Exactly, and that's the fun of this, is that we know Carolina's actually good, while the Florida Panthers maybe are Mickey Mouse Florida Panthers, which is fitting because they're right there. But uh, there are teams that should not be as good as they are. There are teams that obviously don't really actually have to do anything to get where they are. Toronto, obviously. I would say there's only one division that truly is almost exactly what I would expect, uh, regular season or not. And it's, it's, it's pretty much, in a good way, been very predictable. And no surprises have been had. And I think you know what division I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I do, but go ahead and tell us. It, it's the East Division, and, and 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 most fans knew that that was coming from a mile away. Pittsburgh on top, Washington just behind them, uh, the Bruins a couple games behind uh, the Capitals, and the New York Islanders a, mm, qu- uh, actually no, just just a mere couple games behind uh, the Bruins. So you've got a division that I said from the get go was going to be the most fun to watch. You've got two of the most physical teams in the league in Washington and Boston, two teams that bully and bang and beat up on people. You've got the New York Rangers. They've got a couple uh, enforcers, I might say, especially in recent news, but we'll get to that in a second. Philadelphia, who is notably their brand is being physical and New Jersey and Buffalo, but, I don't necessarily look for his physical hockey, and I and you know that. I look for good hockey, okay? That's a combination of so many different factors. Skills, physicality, um, goaltending, and with the top teams in the East, we've gotten all of that. So for me, this has been my best year, my personal favorite year watching hockey in many years. Uh, we, we said this at, at the beginning of the season, that – this was going to be some of the most fun hockey we were going to have an opportunity to watch. And, of course, we'll get to the rest of the league in a second. But this is a Carolina Hurricanes team that you you and I both know had the potential to do this regardless. I, I Yeah, exactly. That, to me, is the, is the factor. A couple of years ago, I was still in high school. Uh, Carolina made the playoffs for the first time in a while. And what we saw was a resurgence in interest, but not in a fan, you know, not in a fair weather fan way, but it in just a way of people who had or new to the sport or have forgotten about hockey coming back, being redrawn in. Obviously, you know our market, you know our audience. We are based out of Winston Salem. Thunderbirds are king here. So you and I are very familiar with that team. 
So there was always that interest, right? But when you get to see the big top dog, the the one of three major sports we have in this state, we don't have a pro baseball team. We don't even have all four. But the only team in Carolina's professional history of the top three that exist right now to ever win a title here in North Carolina, the only team. They won it in 2006. They won the cup. My, people might have forgotten what it's like to cheer for your Carolina Hurricanes. And this is what makes it so exciting. You've got a team that's fun to watch in an arena that's easy to get to, uh, an arena that's clean and always great to go and enjoy games in. And it's been a very positive and a very fun thing. And this probably isn't even the end of it. This is just the beginning, I'd say. This is just the beginning of many years of the North Carolina Hurricanes. And yes, I said the North Carolina Hurricanes. You're not the South Carolina Showing Hurricanes. people Stop what's it. boss. They don't play in Charlotte. And even then, that's kind of a stretch. Right. I hate when, I hate when they do that, by the way. I know this is a random tangent, but I hate when they do that. But um, that's the whole reason they're naming the Carolina Panthers the Carolina Panthers. But it's not like anybody beyond Rock Hill cares. Yeah, but there's a reason they're, a, they're the Charlotte Hornets. I'll just say that. Uh, they're not repping South Carolina at all. But the Hurricanes, seriously, let's – I mean, before we talk about the rest of the league, can we talk a little bit about just Hurricanes roster? Yes, Why let's. this team is so good? Why, let's talk who, about what? the names behind the games, if you know what I'm saying. Well, look, this is a roster that was built for this, right? And it's a coaching yes. staff that that was built for this. If anything, you look at how this team is constructed: elite offensively, yes, a defense, a defensive core that not only is strong in their own right in that end, but one of the better defensive course in terms of getting involved offensively that that alone is where you will see teams start to separate themselves tampa bay you saw it last year with how involved their defensive core gets washington in 18 st louis in 19 when you have a defensive core that gets as involved offensively as they are in the game defensively that just adds a whole nother layer to a whole nother layer to stop here here's the other thing and um uh, Michael Smith talked about this last week on the show, and I was looking at some analytics. There, I can't you know give you the exact stat, but like top team in the league in terms of when they dump the puck in, in terms of the time that the puck stays in the zone, the times that it's cycled. That's how St. Louis won a Stanley Cup in 2019. That's how Washington won a Stanley Cup in 2018. Sustained offensive zone pressure. Aside from that, the puck doesn't stay in the neutral zone nearly as often. The puck's not in their defensive defending zone nearly as often. They're on the attack for 85, 90% of the game. That wears other teams down, especially when you get into a playoff series. That's how Washington beat Pittsburgh in the second round. That's how St. Louis beat San Jose in the third round. They wore them down to the point where there was, no, there, there was nothing left in the tank for the in opponent. For me, coming from a perspective of, I mean, and you know this, I never watched that much hockey growing up. Obviously, um, I bounced around the NHL in terms of fandom. Obviously, most of my games being watched through the eyes of the Carolina Hurricanes. I've seen their brand develop. But for me, the, the, the really, the brand I knew hockey from and I learned hockey from is, and I hate to bring it back down to a team people might not know about, but I'm, I'm sure most of you do. The Carolina Thunderbirds, they exude that. They stay in the offensive zone. They get endless shots on goal, and that's thanks to Coach Andre Nitsch. But 
when you bring that to any level of hockey, whether it be NHL, AHL, or maybe even across the pond with the KHL, it's a brand that doesn't depend on what the other team is used to seeing. If you can do it and do it well and do it for a full 60 minutes and win those board battles, full cliche, full stop, you're going to win games. You might not win the Stanley Cup. You might not do all this, but you're going to be a team that's worth beating. And my perfect example of that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won a couple cups the past couple years, but for every cup they didn't win, they had a season where they should have. Okay. So for every, you know, they've been title contenders for four to five years over the past decade, except sometimes it just didn't happen. In fact, they are, in my opinion, one of the greatest teams to never win it in terms of individual years. So this is a brand that has worked. But the reason we don't see teams do this, and I'm going to let you explain it in a second here, is because it's not something everyone can do it requires a full team effort it requires every single person including the goaltender to make a a, you know a an active effort in keeping the puck in the offensive zone which yeah it sounds so easy keep the puck in this side of the of the rink very easy no it's extremely hard it's not easy to do it's not an easy thing to do and those are just people that simply don't know enough about the game that's not a knock on them that's not a knock on anybody they just don't they haven't watched enough hockey there are going to be a lot more eyeballs on in this state on this team when they hear they have a chance to do what they legitimately have a chance to do and if you win the president's trophy in a year like this where there's no conference affiliations in the playoffs if you have home ice the entirety of the playoffs that's an advantage that, and again, in a season like this, that's an advantage that you pretty much have to have. You you can't lose. You have to buy. You have to buy yourself every advantage that you can, and I don't mean that obviously with uh you know with money or anything. I mean it with uh, with your on ice performance. You have to give yourself every single advantage. You have to work hard now. Do all the hard parts now to make getting the Stanley Cup as easy as possible. Because by the way. No matter how hard any NHL team has ever worked to make the Stanley Cup as easy as possible for themselves to get, they still weren't able to make it easy. They made it easier, but they didn't make it easy. Not just kind of hard, extremely hard. I don't think people who aren't hockey fans realize how much that trophy matters to them. Football fans, they know the Lombardi. They know the Larry O'Brien. You might even know the World Series trophy, which is just a piece of metal, quote Rob Manfred. Oh, my God. But the Stanley Cup, and you and I know this, this This is the trophy. It's the trophy in the The world. The hardest trophy to win in sports. This is the trophy that... Look, it's not that every kid that grows up to play in any other sports league doesn't dream of winning that trophy. There is a certain allure to the Stanley Cup, and of course we'll get to this in the next episode. It has an aura. It's a breathing, living thing. That's the only trophy that in and of itself is a brand. I'd say outside of... It's not the NHL playoffs. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the Stanley Cup playoff. Outside of... When we look at the globe, the entire known planet, okay, all of human existence, there is only one trophy bigger, and that is the FIFA World Cup trophy. Bingo. Outside of that... There is nothing. And if you have an example, you're wrong. I encourage you to bring it on the show. I'd say call in, but we don't have a number. But it doesn't matter. You're wrong. Our, n- our, number, our number is email me and get a response. <laughs> that is, you're an idiot. I'll email you in four days saying you're a moron. The Stanley <laughs> DM Cup. me on Twitter for a response that says you're an idiot. 
People see the Larry O'Brien all the time. I've seen the Cowboys championship trophies. It's whatever. Uh, they're very old. They had to wipe the dust off of them when they were, when I was there. Uh, apparently, they uh, they were uh, there was the dust from the original year. They uh, had never cleaned it before because they're well, pretty you, old. You, you hear this from me a tell lot. Stories of just seeing the trophy. They say, "Oh, I was a hundred feet away from it." Dude, you don't you, you don't know how much I wanted to be. Yeah, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to this, and you know I'm going to, but you don't know how bad I wanted to like drive to St. Louis at 3.30 in the morning when they flew back with the cup. If you go back and look at the footage of like whenever a team comes back at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning from if they win the cup on the road, of people line up in the middle of the night just to see it. That doesn't happen in any other sport. I'm It just doesn't. I mean, they did line up in Oklahoma City when Carmelo got there. So you have two things, the two pinnacles that on the pantheon of sports. You have the Stanley Cup and Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Hot take. You're welcome. You're, if you heard that from me, you're welcome. All right, then. But any, <laughs> look, look, just imagine if the Hurricanes are able to pull this off. You, you, were, you and I really weren't old enough to fully enjoy what happened in 06. But there was just a, a palpable sense of, in 02 as well, when the team made the Stanley Cup final. We'll, we'll ask our good friend Drew Blevins about this, I'm sure. Um, try to get him on next week, actually, uh, if he wants to talk about this. But uh, there's, just, there's just a certain uh, allure of, you know, th- there's a palpable excitement right now. We talked to Mike Smith about it last week. There's a certain palpable excitement around this around this hockey club. Um, because they know there's a possibility that this could happen. Just imagine what it's gonna, what it could be like if the Hurricanes were able to pull that off. What it would be like to have Lord Stanley in the building at PNC with a chance to win it. What it would be like afterwards. What the parade would be like. There's so much involved with just that trophy alone that when you see your team hoist it. You as a fan feel a weight that's been lifted off your shoulders. I remember my first Hurricanes game as an adult. Um, I had been to Hurricanes games before, but I never really knew. Uh, I actually didn't know they had a title. I grew up thinking no no professional team here had a title. But um, when I went to my first Hurricanes game as an adult, it had been a couple of years. I went to a Buffalo Sabres game at the time I was cheering for the Buffalo Sabres. By the way, they allowed a goal in 33 seconds. Um, I remember seeing yeah, that, that banner. About right. I had never seen a title banner in my life. This is coming from a Hornets fan. Seeing a title banner of a team I didn't even like gave me chills down my spine. I had never seen that before. Ever. This is something that people don't realize the value of. Thanks to the existence of the Carolina Tar Heels, most people think that we don't have any interest in professional sports here. And I think that is the biggest buffoonery in the history of buffoonery. When the Carolina Panthers made the Super Bowl, this state was jumping up and down. This state was an unending party. You might just have that again. And we should have it again. With with a team like this that has, that has the chance and the legitimate possibility to do what they know they're capable of doing, mm-hmm. I don't think we have any choice but to be excited. A lot of good things coming for you and I, uh, but neither of us are Hurricanes fans. And correct me if I'm wrong. You don't have to join me on this, but I'd say this is probably the most exciting thing in sports for me right now, period. 
Yep. Same here. It's because we love the Stanley Cup playoffs. We love hockey. But on top of that, this is just it's going to be incredibly fun. Moral of the story before we go to break. Sorry. I'm so sorry. If you don't watch the Hurricanes right now, go on your calendar. Time to start. Watch the next game. Watch some timeout. Trust me. You're going to want to be there. You don't want to miss this. We'll get to the rest of the league next on the score. Back here on the score of Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only James Wilson. And as we will do every week here, J-Dub, give us a rundown of scores from Major League Baseball last night. Absolutely. This is pretty good of the way in terms of games. I have seen some better days. I didn't get to watch any games last night. Unfortunately, I was too busy. But I will tell you, I watched a lot of highlights. There were some pretty good ones. Let's get to it. Uh, Phillies beat the Brewers to zip Astros beat the Yankees uh, seven to four. Yes. I said Astros. I gave them the mercy today. The oh. Boston Red Sox. They, this was sheer dominance. I get it. Why? Well, let me, give me a sec, but sheer dominance, by the way, 12 runs against the Detroit Tigers. Although the Detroit Tigers did put up a half decent fight, especially for themselves with nine runs themselves, but still sheer dominance, far bigger of a blowout than it seems. Rangers beat the Twins 4 to 3. Unfortunately, Mets beat the Cardinals 4 to 1. Indians sweep, or excuse me, not sweep. I don't uh shut out if you will. The Kansas City Royals 4 to 0. Blue Jays beat the Oakland A's 10 to 4. Braves beat the Nationals 3 to 2. That was a pretty good one actually, even though there wasn't a lot of runs, but that was pretty fun to watch. Marlins beat the Diamondbacks 3 to 1 and the Rays beat the Angels 8 to 3. No surprise there after what they decided to do. Absolutely not. I wonder why the Angels um, suck now. Let, let's get to that, shall we? Yeah. Uh, they, and it, it, apparently it stems from the fact that he wasn't in the lineup against a left-handed pitcher that he, in the past he had consistently absolutely hammered. Um, Albert Pujols was designated for assignment by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. <laughs> Angels of Anaheim, that's funny. No, that's their actual that's the actual name of their franchise. I'm not kidding. What? They're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. You didn't know that? That is a lot of the mouthful. That is too much. Gee, I did not know that. I thought well, they used to be the Anaheim Angels and now they're the or no, I thought they started out as or no, that's the they Anaheim. They started Ducks. out as the California Angels. Yeah, that's what it was. See, dude, I, I, I it's so hard for me to keep my 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 words straight because like I was looking at old uh, – I was looking at – okay, sorry. Give me a tangent real quick. Give me a little bit. Go I was looking it. at old, super old baseball scores, right? There was a team called the Boston Red Stockings and the Chicago White Stockings, right? Correct. Neither of those teams are what is now known as the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox. They're both two different teams. I'm pretty sure Boston Red Stockings are like the Atlanta Braves or something. It's like what? How do you how, how how does that happen? How does this happen? <laughs> it's like the Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens thing. But it, it's just you know like, there used to be two teams in St. Louis too, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and the St. Louis like, Browns are now the Baltimore Orioles. You're welcome. Yeah, y'all are welcome. We didn't need to. Sorry, 
We didn't need two teams. Yeah. Did they play in the same ballpark? They did. Wow. How long has it been since someone has shared the same ballpark? A little trivia, if you don't mind. How long has it been since someone shared the same ballpark? Uh, yeah, it's been time. a while. Yeah, they don't. It's 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 ve- for those who aren't baseball fans. That's something I learned very quickly. It is very taboo. You do not do that. You don't share ballparks, bro. It just doesn't uh-uh. happen. Uh uh-uh. uh. Especially if you play in like a freaking Mickey ballpark, like Cincinnati. You mean Great American Small Park? We hit. We you and I have hit bigger homers playing our wiffle ball games. That is true, and that's again, that's without a fence. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to what happened uh, the other day in Seattle. Uh, we've got three no-hitters already. This sh- we technically should have four. We technically do have four. Um, but the Major League Baseball won't count a seven-inning doubleheader, no-hitter as a no-hitter because it was seven innings. It was scheduled for seven innings. He threw a no-hitter in the scheduled time he was allotted. That's a no-hitter, officially. That's a no-hitter. That's a no-hitter. MLB at it again. John Means of the Baltimore Orioles threw a no-hitter. The only reason he didn't have a perfect game is because of, again, one of the dumbest rules in the sport, a dropped third strike allowed someone to reach base. He still recorded the strikeout. He got 27 outs. That sounds like a perfect game to me. That is the definition of a perfect game, and because of a technicality, he doesn't get one. Very no fun league, if you will. Very much. Very Major much. League Bummer. I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't, do, do y'all have one of those? Major League Bummer. I, I, I don't know. know. Yeah, like they have the no fun league. I don't know. Yeah. We'll come up with it. We, we just came up with it right now. Major League Bummer. Major League Bummer. Boom. Mark it down. It's uh, we we came up with it. We're going to trademark it. Um, yeah, put it on a T-shirt. I will any uh, any royalties will be charged money. at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Uh, dot com. Uh, please pay us for our um. Brilliant marketing idea. Just give us uh, money. Just give us money in general. Anyways, um, so that happened. Um, in, in a year where Major League Baseball legitimately tried, attempted to deaden the baseball um, to cut down on home runs, we now have three no hitters. Yeah. As as a as a, as a newly minted fan in the game, I want to ask you this: do Do you want to see more home runs? Or do you want to see more pitching performances like we saw the other day in Seattle? So from a fan's perspective. From a new fan's perspective, specifically. Exactly. From a brand new fan's perspective, I think I'm going to surprise some people and say, if we have to go one way or another, I'd rather go to the way of pitching. And here's why. When we get a product where you know you're basically going to get a run every every single inning – uh, maybe one or two homers, especially from your big power hitters. Especially uh, if you if we have a game where Tatis alone can can just hammer them away, and you basically know he's going to get a homer every game. It, it it takes away the value of it. Okay, if if let's look at it this way: what goal is more valuable in hockey? One where the goalie just barely stops it, or an empty netter? Obviously, the one where the goalie's in front of him, right? So why would we want to make it easier? The artificial increase of something that is rare and exciting does not improve it. It actually devalues your brain. Literally, this is science. Your brain chemistry gets used to it, thus making it less valuable. So when we get games where there's five homers, six homers, seven homers, and 12 runs – 
that's going to be amazing. It's going to be something you remember. You're going to be remember watching it. And if you're at the ballpark, it's a lifetime memory that you just made. That's what makes it special. That's why you go to baseball games, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, so look, look at the situation that happened with the Blue Jays last week. The guy in the Bo Bichette jersey that caught his home run ball while recording the video, I might add, um, caught the ball with one hand, continued recording with the other hand. Uh, Bo Bichette caught wind of the situation, went and visited him in the outfield, um, and signed the baseball and gave him his jersey. Right. Those are the things that make baseball a fantastic sport. You don't realize how much fun it is. And you and I saw this, right? Um, I don't remember who we were playing, but you and I were at your house. We're watching a Cardinals game. I don't remember who we were playing. I hope you can remember for me. Um, uh, I think we're playing the Reds. We we're playing the Yes, it was Cincinnati. We had a pretty big lead. Coming into the bottom of the seventh, I'm like, all right, I think I'm going to go. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't live very close to you. I'm like, I'm going to try and get home. Well, Cincinnati scored. Okay. Coming into the bottom of the eighth, they scored again. Well, it's starting to get, you know, you're starting to get pretty scared. Well, at bottom of the ninth, they score, they almost tie it up, and our guy's throwing balls left, right, and center. But then he finally gets that strikeout, and that was probably the most fun I've had watching my favorite team or my favorite anything win in, in months because, yes, pitching baseball can be boring. I understand that, especially when it's an absolute clinic of strikeouts. But that's what makes it so much fun. Hitting a baseball is supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be the hardest individual thing in sports. It's not supposed to be that easy to hit home runs. It's but it's hard to it's supposed to be hard to hit the ball, period. It's supposed to be exactly. able to hit your bat to touch it, let alone hit it at the sweet spot, and let alone aim it just at the right place so that the outfielders might not be able to catch it and you might be able to at least get to second. It's supposed to be hard. Baseball is a game, and that's why I love it so much now, is because most aspects of baseball are very easy and very doable. But the one that's not supposed to be very doable and very easy is the ultimate equalizer. And it's what separates your major league players from guys like myself. I can run 90 feet. Okay. Yeah. I can get there in time. Okay. Anybody can run 90 feet when, uh, you know, anybody can run all the way around the bases once, you know, given any amount of time, but nobody, and I mean nobody, can hit a ball that's moving sometimes over 100 miles an hour towards you out of a insanely big ballpark multiple times a year and get tired of it. Nobody can do that. Not everyone can do it. Very few people in the best premier baseball division in the world can do it. So all of that considered, I'm going towards pitching baseball. I'd rather see better pitching and more strikeouts in favor of keeping the home run and the run and scoring in this game more valuable. I, I get it. It might be boring, but the boring is what kept me away from baseball for so long. I encourage those who m disagree with me to reorganize the way you look at this game. Again, it's, and from, from your perspective, you saying this is huge to, to people that might not be as into the sport as I am that might just want to see home runs. That's, I get that's, it. That's huge. You want to watch home runs? Like, watch a home run derby. Boom. You know what else is cool? 20 strikeout games. No hitters. Perfect games. 
things that aren't supposed to happen that often that do. And there's just got to be some kind of way to equal things out. Um, we went a little bit over in the first hour, so we're going to have to end a bit early here. Um, got some good series coming up this weekend, though, Major League Baseball. Nolan Arenado faces his former team, the Colorado Rockies, head to St. Louis. Uh, Nationals-Yankees, definitely, though, the, the, the class of the, the series this weekend. going to be good. All three games, by the way, on national TV on MLB Network. Um, J-Dub, you got a shout-out for it? I do. Unfortunately, it is uh, a cross-network shout-out. I'm going to be shouting out Corey LaJoy. Uh, he came on uh, the other show we do and did a really good interview with me, and it was really fun and a whole lot of nice uh, whole lot of nice conversations with him. Dude is a brilliant driver. Had a whole lot of fun talking with him. Thank you so much. My shout-out goes to uh, the Carolina Disco Turkeys, for whom I will be the co-voice of with a good friend, Graham Atuck. Uh, shout out to them for giving me the best booth in sports um, and shout out to the ownership and uh, everybody involved for giving us the greatest mascot and the greatest booth in sports. Uh, with that, we'll say goodbye for this week. Enjoy your weekend. Chuck full of sports. Once again, go Canes, go Hornets, go all that. Enjoy it.